Thank you, Lori. Lori hosts our online services. She does that every week, and she's faithfully there to interact with everybody online. So if you're online right now, you can, in the chat, just thank Lori and say hello to Lori. Uh, She is there, and we love you, Lori. Uh, But here we have Matthew finishing his gospel account, his good news account of the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus. And his, he, he recounts these, these words of Jesus to his disciples. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then his account ends. It's actually kind of an abrupt ending. Uh, some scholars believe that he literally ran out of room, that he was at the end of a scroll, and he's got to finish the story. And what do you want to finish with? What's the most important thing? Uh, you know, you're filling out a birthday card, and you're like, I don't know what to say to this person, and you write a little personal thing, and then you realize, I'm out of room, and I haven't said, happy birthday, I love you, anything, you know, I haven't, you need to squeeze it in really small at the bottom, and so I think we see Matthew, perhaps, you know, what do I say? He told us he's with us always to the very end of the age. This is a good way to end. It is a life-changing truth, because the scripture teaches that Indeed, God is with us always to the very end of the age, that by his Holy Spirit, that he is with us. And if his Spirit is with us, his Spirit produces fruit in our lives. Scripture teaches that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Actually, the teens in our youth Ministry are, uh, this is one of their memory verses right now, and they've been working on that this month. Uh, So the question for us is, how are you doing with that right now? 2021, Easter morning. How are you doing with peace? Do you feel more peaceful now than you did a year ago? Or are you more anxious or fearful? Uh, Are you experiencing joy now in increasing ways? Or do you find joy to be more elusive and, and missing do you feel more patient or gentle or self-controlled? Or, or what I've been seeing is a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are angry. People are blaming each other for things. People are blaming the government for things. People are blaming disease for things. I've seen a lot of loneliness and, and sadness and isolation. We don't have to live this way. Today, I I just ask you, if you're in that place, I I ask you to just consider what it means that God is with you always and the fruit that that can bear in your life. Now, I know not everybody's struggling. Some of you are here today and you say, you know what? In a strange way, I am more joyful. I, I do experience the presence of God in deeper and more meaningful ways. I'm doing quite well. The beautiful thing, if that's you, is that there's there's even more that you can experience. As my friend David Midwood used to say, you can have as much of God as you want. And when you experience it, you bring it with you to your world. You share it with others. And there's a, a beauty and a goodness to that. Because God is with us always. And it's possible because of the resurrection. Only because of the resurrection. And I want to give you three reasons why that's true. But let us pray. God, we thank you for this truth that you are indeed with us always by faith. And perhaps, God, some in this room have never experienced that. Perhaps some listening in may not understand that. I pray that wherever we are at right now, 
that you would help, that you would call us to take a next step of faith, to know that by faith you can indeed be with us always to the very end of the age. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this notion that God is with us always is possible because of the resurrection. Three reasons. The first is that the resurrection is a fulfillment. Uh, Right away, we have the angels saying to the women in verse 5, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said that this was intentional, that he was here to uh, accomplish something, to fulfill something, that it, that it actually happened, and that sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. They're not all just about the same. This is uniquely different because Jesus said, I have come to accomplish something, that our faith is based on something that happened in history. This thing happened, and therefore, we believe. So in order for us to benefit from the, the, the reality of the resurrection, we have to believe that it happened. And that we don't have a lot of time this morning to go into all the evidence. And, uh, but if you're interested in researching that, I would love to put you uh, in, I'd love to connect you with some good resources, books, and conversations, and things that we do to explore that. But we have an empty tomb. We have guards that were there, and now the tomb is empty, and we can't explain where that is. Even the, in this chapter, Matthew describes this plot by the leaders to, to say that the disciples somehow stole the body. But that doesn't fit what the disciples believed about Jesus and what they were willing to die for in their faith. We have all these resurrection appearances. So we have an empty tomb, and we have Jesus appearing to people in various ways at various times, even to groups of people. And we have the early church and the early Christians, the followers of Jesus. They didn't see the resurrection. It wasn't that they followed Jesus, and some of them believed he was alive. It was a core central belief of their faith. It was so central to their faith that Jesus indeed was resurrected. Such that Paul, one of the early Christians, he was on trial for speaking about Jesus and they were trying to arrest him, actually trying to put him to death. And he was defending him in himself and he said in Acts 26, 26, he said, these things didn't happen in a corner. We're talking about things that happened in the open, that were witnessed by people. Therefore, and they, they couldn't find any way to, to charge him because, and really, people have not found a satisfying way to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this indeed happened. And so not only did it happen, but it needed to happen. It had to happen to fulfill God's plan to rescue a world. Because on that cross, Jesus takes the, the sin and the death of a broken and sinful world on himself. In our place. And it dies with him. But he raises to new life. So that we can have new life in him. We can only be rescued and saved by a living savior. A dead savior can't do that. And even even the Bible itself says. If Jesus is not raised from the dead. Then your faith is useless. It's pointless. That this happened. And it fulfilled the, the work that Jesus came to do. And that fulfillment points to an even greater fulfillment. The day when God will finish all of his saving work and his healing work. But with the resurrection, that new day has dawned. 
There's, there's going to be a day when there's no sadness, no death, no tears. And the resurrection brings that reality into our present world. You get glimpses. Now we have this glimpse of, of the future. We get that, right? Because we've been living the last year with all kinds of restrictions and limitations. And, and we see little glimpses. You know, there's people in Fenway Park. Not a lot of people, but there's starting to be people. Our kids are going back to school this month, many of our local kids. So, okay, so all this remote learning and all these things, it's all going to be going away. And we're going to be back to uh, the way that, you know, we want it to be. We get these glimpses. It's not a complete, we're not completely done yet, but we're getting glimpses. This is what God does at the resurrection. We, we can see tangibly it's happening, resurrection life. Therefore, think about this. The resurrection then is not a suspension of the, the laws of the universe. We think about it. Okay, in that moment when Jesus rose, you know, it violated the laws of nature. That's actually not the case. What happened at the resurrection is that true life, the way God intended, is happening there and will happen fully. That same resurrection is for all of us in the future, the way that life should be, and it one day will be, and we can experience it now. As, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, he said, I pray that you may know his in, incomplete incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He's saying, I want you to know that same resurrection power now in your life. You can experience it. So because the resurrection is a fulfillment, you can experience it now and you can accept it by faith. So you both have to believe that it happened and that it needed to happen and that it needed for you, that you need that saving and you need that life that only God can bring because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And because of that, God can indeed be with you always. It was a fulfillment. Secondly, the resurrection is also a reversal. So we can experience God with us, even to the end of the age, because there's been this great reversal. And if Christ is raised, everything is changed. The way that we view the world is completely reshaped. The, the resurrection, it overturns what pe- how people think the world is supposed to work. And the dominant view in our world of how the world works is that the powerful win and then the weak lose. That's all of evolutionary biology teaches, you know, the, the strong win, the weak lose. You, or you could learn it on an elementary school playground. The strong win, the weak lose. But in Jesus Christ, the order of the world is reversed. That Jesus saves us through weakness, through giving his life, giving up power. That creates a whole new pattern of life. And we enter into that life, not through our achievement or accomplishment, but only through faith and repentance. Jesus said, if you want to be part of this, you've got to give up your life to gain life. You're going to become a servant. That reversal, it changes us and it reshapes us. This is how God works. When Jesus came on the scene, he was bringing this good news of what God was doing to people. But it didn't, it didn't go straight to the powerful and the elite and the leaders. It went to the down and out. The leaders rejected Jesus. It was the common people who grasped this message, despised people, 
tax collectors who were you know, morally corrupt and outsiders. There was Samaritans who were ethnically outsiders that Jesus calls in. Uh, children who, the disciples said, Jesus, you don't have time for them. He said, no, my kingdom belongs to, to children. And actually, you have to be like these children. Other people on the margins, like lepers and uh, sick people and poor people and just the outcast were brought in. Women, in, in Jesus' day, even, even sinful women, in Jesus' day, women had no status. In the, Jew, in, in the Jewish culture, women couldn't even testify in court. And here, when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, it's women who first witness and proclaim the truth. They were the first witnesses, but in their culture, they were no witnesses at all. If you wanted to start a hoax, you wouldn't start with them. You wouldn't start with women, and you wouldn't start with those women. And yet, in the great reversal, in God's pleasure, he said, no, it does, there, is no, there is no wealth, there is no status, there's no preferred race or gender or age or ethnicity or any even kind of moral accomplishment. The gospel is for the humble. It's for those who recognize, I can't save myself. That no one is righteous, no one is powerful or special enough to earn God's favor. It's all about God's grace. It's a great reversal. Pastor Tim Keller, he, he describes it like this. He says, look, if you got together all the great leaders of the world, leaders of great companies and great movements in our world, and you, you pull all these experts into one room and you say, oh, here's my goal. I want to be the most influential and the most powerful person that's ever lived. I want to have whole civilizations built around me and my teachings. And hundreds of years from now, I want people to actually remember me, but also worship me. What should I do? And they get together in the room and they say, okay, here's what you do. Uh, Start by being born in obscurity. And then... Uh, don't interact with, don't get real involved with the, the political powers of your day, all the influential economic leaders and political leaders and all the uh, academic leaders. Avoid all that and then get tragically killed in your 30s before you write your first book. That's how you're going to, they wouldn't say that. There would be no wisdom, the world's wisdom wouldn't bring you to that. But in Jesus, he reverses the wisdom of the world, the whole system of how the world works. And it's, it's not just an underdog story. We love underdog stories. We love the rags to riches story. That's not what this is. This, this isn't just to inspire us. It's to change us. It's to align us with the way that God designed the world. These, these, all these reversals. So when you put your faith in God, you get, you get reversed to be aligned with his way. That you can genuinely walk and step with his spirit. And the resurrection of Jesus is this great reversal where even death is not the end. That eternal life can even destroy death. So you can accept it by faith and be changed to live differently. Because God is with you always in this great reversal. So the resurrection is, is a fulfillment. It's a great reversal. And lastly, it's a promise. It's a promise. And we see this here as Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission to his disciples. He said, I have all the authority. All the authority in heaven and earth is mine. And he proved that by his resurrection. He said, the authority is mine. Now you're going to go and you're going to make disciples. You're going you're to call other people to follow me. 
You're now caught up in this great reversal. You're now part of it. And as you go, you're going to make disciples. That's everywhere you go. Every, everywhere you put your foot, there's going to be places where you're going to speak uh, th- this good news, where by your actions and your words, you're going to demonstrate who I am. And, I'm, and here's the promise as you do that. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And if you think about Matthew's writing, whether he ran out of space and wrote that, it's a brilliant ending because he began the whole account of Jesus in chapter 1 of his account by, by pointing out that Jesus was Emmanuel. At the birth of Jesus, we celebrate at Christmas, of course, that Jesus was Emmanuel, which means God with us. That, so it starts with Jesus coming into the world, Emmanuel, God with us. And then at the very end, I am with you always, Jesus says. It starts and it ends, God with us always. It brings it, it, brings it all together. Literally here, the, the, in the Greek language, it's all the days. I'm with you all, the whole of every day. I'm with you always, each day of your life. That's my promise. And we experience that by his spirit. So Jesus appears to these women, and they, the text says that they cling to, to, to Jesus. They, they bowed at his feet and worshipped him. The, in the Gospel of John, he describes how Mary is clinging to him so much that he has to tell her to stop. He says, Mary, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me. I have to go to my father. Because he had already promised. He said, if I go then I'm going to send my spirit. And it's going to be even better than if I was there because the spirit will glorify the son. He said, the spirit will glorify me to you, magnify me, make me bigger, even better. So we say, and I, hear, I feel this way sometimes, we say, oh, if I could just have been there with the disciples and seen the miracles and walked with Jesus and had been part of it then, that would have been way better because now it's just so distant and so far away. But Jesus said, that's not true. He said, I'm going to be magnified when my spirit comes to you. It's going to be even bigger. It's not just Jesus walking next to us. It's, it's the spirit of Christ within us. And we can experience that every day as we go. Therefore, you are never alone. Therefore, you never even have to operate under your own power because the power of God is alive in you. He's with you always. So it's a fulfillment. Jesus accomplished the work. He died. He rose again. That's the great reversal. We have this promise. Surely I am with you always. And we know it's a good promise. And as you trust Jesus, you can be confident that he's with you. And if he's with you, his spirit will change you. So when you feel that lack of joy or peace or love or goodness or self-control or whatever it is, we ask him to fill us again with his presence that we might be changed. But today you might say, I don't feel him. I don't experience him. I'm not sure he's always with me. I'm not sure if he's ever been with me. Perhaps today he's calling you to trust him. He's calling you to believe. And today is that day. His spirit is a good gift, as his word says. And he desires to give it to you. Will you receive it today? Or maybe God is calling you today deeper into his presence to be more aware of his spirit, to take a step of faith. He is with you every step of faith. And I don't know what your next step of faith is, but my guess is that he's probably put it on your heart. He's probably already showed you what it is. And you just need to trust him and take that step today. Let us pray. Father.
We praise you. We thank you that you are with us always to the very end of the age, that the very spirit that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ promised is available to empower us to walk with you, to know you, Lord. I pray that even now that hearts would be opened to receive it by faith, that, we would, uh, that, that many would come to know it and, and others would take steps of faith deeper into it. And we thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. We are never alone. And you've given us everything we need, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.